I am Taylor Barr, radio DJ. I write monologues for the radio. Five monologues a day, five days a week. Here, I am chronicling them. I hope you enjoy. He sits and stares at the auditionees. Arms crossed, thermos to the side, a hot cup of coffee steaming. He is trying his hardest to look cool. He unfolds his arms and touches the tips of his fingers together. Kendra, he calls. She approaches. Let's see a scene, then. She thought there would be more to go off of. She wasn't even given a word, let alone a script. She begins dancing, a little jig moving into some poorly thought-out hip-hop moves. He is not impressed. He sips from the coffee. It burns his tongue, but he does not flinch. With the censors on his tongue screaming, he writes something nasty about Kendra on her audition sheet. The pen in his hand feels heavier than it did earlier. Maybe a weight in it. He wasn't going to let it affect him, though. Kendra finishes off with a bout of vigorous jazz hands, smile wide, eyes empty and soulless. The director says to her, I like the way that you're obviously missing something, like a piece of you has been taken or never existed. You're looking for something. Do you know what that is? Kendra stops smiling. How would you like to be cast in Amber? Kendra doesn't know how to react. She does not respond, but instead takes a seat on the stage. Kendra, I'm going to have you live forever. I hope you're all right with that. She is. Also, don't try to get out of this once you agree. I will bring down my legal team like the hammer of... What's that guy? The, uh, the Thunder Fellow. Thor. That's him. Crispy bread cracks and stretches under the hand of a laborer. A baker. The baker is testing his loaves for the early morning open when droves of white-collar workers pushed through his shop, expecting perfect croissants and the most delectable eclairs. The baker makes more than just sweets, though. His health is quite important, and he tries to spread that sort of thinking to the masses. Spinach dishes, cheese, and leaf-stuffed pastries, creamed to the crust and cooked like the rest. He sells quiche, too. Tiny ones that can fit in the palm of your hand. The baker has a spark behind his eyes, some fascination with the biological and chemical processes that he produces every day. He doesn't consider the smallest details of the craft. He never took a chemistry course. Try to tell him he needs to, though. I promise you, he doesn't. The bear claws he made at the start of fall sold out in hours. He has the talent and the time, so why would he need to delve into the sciences? The art is there. The art is delicious. The art is the product of millennia of science and technology, and he is good at it, so why are you so focused on getting him to change his ways? He's never hurt anyone. Leave him alone, or go buy a pastry. Buy whatever you want. But whatever you do, don't ask about the bear claws. He knows they're delicious, and he knows you want them. They're in the oven, 
and it'll be another 20 minutes minimum. I received a lottery invitational today. Yes, a, a fancy note in an actual envelope. It was trying to sell me on the idea of a lottery, which, for those of you that don't know, is sort of like gambling, in that you pay a certain amount of money or some other item of value and wait around until that money comes back to you, or it doesn't. It's a really weird capitalist way to donate your money to someone less fortunate. It's an even weirder way to make money. It's the oddest way to receive money that someone would try to rely on. It's simply not reasonable to rely on an influx of cash every so often and just wait until the next one. Although, that is how a lot of people in the film industry work, and the independent contractor scene, as well as the art world. You know what? It's a fine way to work and collect money. Emphasis on the word work, though. The lottery does not count as work. Anyway, I received an invitational, and of course I accepted, because I'll take any chance to dress up and look nice, but when I tried the return address, to return the mailbox, to, to return the message, the mail slot wouldn't accept it back, the mailbox wouldn't accept it, and the envelope burst into flames, and I got a raging migraine. I thought maybe I just didn't have coffee earlier, but that's ridiculous. I had already had a pot. I hate lotteries. The whole thing is rigged from the start. It is often quite difficult to see past the haze of our machinery into the actuality of the situation. I find myself blinded by emotion, rage, sadness, or otherwise more often than I would like to. I consider myself a logical being by most standards, holding the great thinkers in high regard, notably Socrates, because I, too, know that I know nothing. Even what I do know, I can only be known to the extent that the reality I am experiencing is true, and our own human perceptions, uh, our own human perceptions are true. The barrier between our human logic and our actual actions have long been separated by two things, emotion and the self. Emotion fogs our judgment with the concepts of hate and apathy. It convinces us that the right solution is the one that makes us feel best, that fixes the resulting emotion as quickly and efficiently as possible to satiate the demons of our minds. But it doesn't work so well. We yell and scream and cry when the best option would really be to sit down and work out whatever is bothering us. The answer is almost always hard work and determination. The self convinces us that the best option isn't that uh, though, and is instead the thing that makes us feel happiest, that brings us the best feeling even. It doesn't have to be happiness. We stand convinced by ourselves that we are so right that even being accused of being wrong is a direct insult to your being because at the end of the day, you are wrong. You know nothing. And that's okay. But try to keep it in mind. There is no sound in space, you know. Recall that there are no vibrations in a vacuum because, as is the way of a vacuum, there is no matter to be shaken. There is no mass for which to fidget. In space, 
there is no form. You give a bottle of water a hint of freedom and it flows out, spreads around, dissipates, and does whatever it feels like. There is no gravity to convince it otherwise. There is no atmosphere to pressurize the liquid. Instead, it is free and random and dangerous. A comet the size of a school bus whizzed by the International Space Station, sending bits of ice and chunks of rock hurtling into the ship. The sharps pierced the impossibly thick hull of the ship, and immediately the air inside began to dissipate. Alarms blared, but the comet would never know. It was already a thousand miles away, and again wouldn't be able to hear that, because, again, it is in space. The astronauts on the ship jettison themselves into the escape pods, and from those to Earth. They land at some point, while thousands of pieces of the station come hurtling back down. What comes up? The station lays in ruin, returned finally back to Earth where it had been aching to rejoin ever since being placed up in that precarious position. No one is too upset. It was simply a matter of time, they'll someday say. It was a national tragedy, they would say sooner. The pieces of the ship finally rest, knowing they will never be bothered again. I have been Taylor Barr, your radio DJ of sorts. I do hope you enjoyed my monologues. I know I enjoyed writing them. Stay tuned next time. For more monologues, and more monologues, and more monologues.